first strike before we start the show. Got to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. This week, there's up to 50% off select standard sale going on. So go to FaceToFaceGames.com to check it out. And again, every week we host a contest on the FaceToFace Games Facebook page, $50 store credits up for grabs. You just have to leave a comment on the giveaway post as to what your favorite standard deck is right now. Tonight, full cast. Really excited to pick everyone's brain on some of the hottest topic and uh, revisit the greatest of all time in a few months down the line. Uh, pretty cool to have uh, David Rude, who listens to the show, I assume, on his way to work, commented on how he thinks Elliot was an idiot in, in our discussion. But, uh, you know, uh, greatest of all time, very subjective. Uh, actually, John, you weren't here last week. Uh, let's get your quick take. Uh, you're new to this. Do, do you... But you're into sports, just like me. Uh, so do you have any interest in, in greatest of all time discussions? Well, I certainly do. And um, I, I don't know too much about the Hall of Fame discussions, but I'm just going to say this. You know, back when I was, um, it was uh, during Invasion on Mercadian Masks, you know, back when they were still printing the Inquest magazine, all they could talk about was Kai Bude and uh, John Finkel. And, you know, they're still here. And uh, clearly, they are they're probably the two greatest uh, players of all time. I'm not sure if someone like LSV is going to take over at some point. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, the other two are still playing. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting uh, discussion. All right. Well, I, I don't really remember when this was announced. Um, I think possibly after we did our episode um, or maybe during or we were just too caught up in the greatest of all time talk. But uh, the London Mulligan, very, something that's very important to our man, this place, Ginger here. Uh, I'll just read a quick tidbit from the official site, Mothership for Mythic Championship 2 in London. We're going to treat, trying out a new Mulligan rule that we have been playtesting internally for some time. We believe the new rule smooths out opening hand decisions even more, though it certainly has some implications for formats like Modern. The rule we'll be testing in London is as such, when you mulligan for the nth time, you draw seven cards, then put n cards on the bottom of your library in any order. So, so that, for example, let's say you're taking your second mulligan of a game, what we often call a mulligan to five, you would draw seven cards, select two, place those two on the bottom of your library in any order, then you would decide whether to keep or mulligan again. Uh, while we have been testing this mulligan rule internally for a while, we're treating this tournament as a test. Once our game designers have reviewed the tournament, spoken to players, and looked at the data, we'll decide whether to implement the mulligan rule wider. First reaction is uh, it's starting to feel a lot like the other games I've been playing, like Hearthstone, uh, Shadowverse, and stuff like that. Derek, your, your first reaction to someone, like this rule is like the most important to you out of all of us, unless someone else qualified and and i'm sorry i forgot but uh, what was your first take Derek? uh i was trying not to get upset while being mildly frustrated um not just because of the mulligan rule but because of the other things that were compounded onto this pro tour like it's a pre-release pro tour so to speak and it's a modern format a format that i'm not well versed in and has been abused in the past when it comes to um explosive cards sort of like breaking a format like the last two or three modern pro tours we've seen there's been this really unfair deck that eventually gets banned or restricted somehow um and it just sort of like ruins the format and we remind ourselves why we don't play modern um 
so this actual like mulligan rule is is interesting because people always have these odd takes when it first comes out and as time goes on people sort of actually like concentrate and think critically about the actual implications of this happening and you see people playing the these Eldrazi decks with chalice or uh these like burn decks and practicing and cutting lands etc and I, I it reminds me of this tweet that i saw by ben stark the other day and he said you should put your money on me to win this event because i see a lot of people are not going to be keeping sevens at this pt and i was like very interesting because uh, i think i'm in that same boat like a lot of people are like oh you can mulligan better and it's like i don't want to mulligan better i don't want my deck to be bad so i'm not going to register black white eldrazi or mono brown eldrazi for this event right like i want a chance to win so i'm not going to play an unplayable deck will it change my sideboard choices around a little bit maybe maybe i'll play a couple more one-ups and try to get frisky uh so that i can mulligan more aggressively to a rest in peace or stony silence if i need it if i'm playing white so to speak but in general i think it's good for the game um i'm excited and i don't think it's going to be bad for the event any more worse than any other mulligan rule would be and i'm very happy that they're implementing a way for us to practice it i think they were going to say they're going to do that on magic online or something coming up they were going to announce something so um yeah i'm more upset that it's a modern pro tour than anything but can't complain <laughs> about that right now i guess so it's going down April 26th to 28th. You have roughly a little less than two months left to prepare. Uh, how, how's your preparation going? Are you grinding right now? And, and how are you looking to strategize uh, to, to find the best deck for you to win this thing? Um, so I've been playing a lot of Phoenix just because I think it's the best deck. And it, um, it seems to be the most played deck, definitely. Uh, whether that's because of results or because they're just a, a mass of people playing it. Um, so I usually like to start there and then see, is this actually the best deck? What deck beats this deck? How consistent is it? Why is it the best deck? Sort of thing, right? Um, as for testing process, I haven't really talked with a team specifically. I talked with Edgar and Morgan a little bit, so I might be playing with the face-to-face guys, hopefully. Um, I know they... As far as I know, they don't really have a plan yet. So I'm just jamming so I can learn as much about this deck as I possibly can, learn as much about the format as I possibly can, and just try to sink my roots in. And then once that happens, I can make some more educated decisions on whether I should be switching decks or whether this mulligan rule affects it. And then we can actually test good um, mulliganing uh, choices, I guess, to, to see if this deck functions well with that. Um, if I work with the face-to-face guys, I plan to do that with a group of people, whoever I end up playing with. Um, but yeah, it's mostly just jamming as many games as I humanely can while still sleeping a reasonable amount, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, I mean, Andy has been a proponent of, uh, is it Phoenix since the beginning? So no surprise to hear you sort of come to the same, but you were already on that conclusion from, from previous shows as well. Um, John, John, have you been tinkering in the lab? Any any card? Have you broken electro dominance yet? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I've been working on some electro dominance uh, decks as well as um, 
Because I'm going to uh, Grand Prix Calgary in uh, two, three weeks, I think, and uh, just want to evaluate what what the uh, best uh, decks are um, in modern right now. Yeah, uh, so I think Electro Dominance will eventually um, not be broken, but be figured out, and it'll it'll be a home. It'll be home to a pretty competent uh, tier two ish deck. Um, cheating on mana and cheating uh, out free powerful spells is always going to be a very important uh, thing to do in modern, but um, still a bit clunky. I've tried like the Gorio's Vengeance version. I've tried the Hollow One uh, Living in version. I've tried the Blue Red Blue Moon Chalice version. But then that kind of led me to the next place uh, that I want to visit in modern, which was what what is the best shell for a Chalice and or a Bridge. So I think Chalice of the Void is very good right now. It's very good against Tron, Bricks of Shadows, uh, Phoenix, for example. And uh, yeah, so I, I've been testing a bunch of Chalice decks as well. Thalia Stompy, uh, Powder, Theron Powder, Eldrazi, etc. So um, they're pretty inconsistent, but they're, pro- they're pretty powerful when it works. But I'm not convinced if they're high power level yet. So I still think, I, I do think that is a Phoenix probably the best uh, deck right now. And case in point, some pros like Tom Martell and uh, Owen Turtonwald, who went to Magic Fest LA, um, both played is a phoenix and uh, i think i heard martel uh raving about it as well so it's clearly got the attention of everyone including the pros now and it's only going to focus more on getting the list optimized as we near the uh, pro tour uh serum powder Eldra sounds like uh one of the decks derek was talking about that he would that he would hate so john uh, ultimately was there one particular deck or a few that is showing some sort of promise yeah, I think I think blue red uh, living end Asphalto living end is very good. Um, it's very diverse in its uh, capabilities. It can be a combo combo deck, it can be a control deck. Um, Colorless Eldrazi seems pretty. I'm hesitant to say it, but it seems pretty good. But it's highly dependent on the matchups. Um, I sent you a screenshot yesterday of me uh, winning from uh, Morgan to two, which was very amusing. That shows you how broken Aya, Aya Vugan when the temple was. So, but at the end of the day, I think I'm just going to go back to Dredge um, for Calgary here. Like everyone saw all the here le- power ranking lists on Twitter today. I'm not sure if I missed a memo. You know, today was like make your own uh, modern power ranking day on Twitter. But uh, I think it's pretty undisputable that like a decks like Phoenix and Dredge are top, a top tier right now. And I like that Dredge is quote-unquote, pre-boarded against some of the most popular matchups like Shadows, Phoenix, and uh, Burn. Although, um, Phoenix lists are main-decking surgical extractions nowadays, so I don't know about that. But yeah, um, I've been testing a bunch of Modern, but I think um, Dredge is still good, and Dredge will be good for the next one or two months, I think, at least. Mm. Mm, That's interesting. Um, Yeah, like, shout-out to our man, Edgar Magalhaes, with with his uh, very well-received modern uh, power rankings, you can't rank them because they're all close in power level. And at number one, he goes Amulet Titan. He backs up that power rankings with a second-place result at SCG uh, Modern Classic in Syracuse, finishing in second against Dominic Harvey, uh, from what I understand, a uh, fellow Canadian. Uh, but is it Phoenix ended up taking down the Charlottetown Open, our very first open in face-to-face games open in press edward island and from what i remember we hit 97 players which is actually insane uh for our first time going there so again 
with every different place spot that we've been going to, we're seeing record numbers uh, in, in places that people would be normally too scared to hold tournaments for fear of no one showing up. It's been happening everywhere. And uh, really excited for the rest of the series when we go to these uh, different cities uh, that we haven't gone to. And uh, in first place, Michael Mead ended up taking it down with uh, Is It Phoenix? And I think John John sort of alluded to the success of it at GP uh, LA with, with it taking first place there as well. So lots of Is It Phoenix uh, doing really well. And Andy, I imagine you're not surprised. No, I'm not surprised. I think it's like a, a very fast, proactive deck that has... Or that gets to play all the blue cantrips, so it gets to be fast, proactive, and consistent, which is the reason it's just the number one deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot, you, you managed to uh, make your way down to Syracuse for some reason, for some legacy. Well, what's going on? What's the backstory about that? Uh, well, a couple weeks before the Pro Tour, uh, my coworker came up to me and he said, Hey, Elliot, we're going to Syracuse. We have a spot in the car. I can lend you uh, depths. You want to come? And I thought that it was next week, so I'd have like a weekend break between the Pro Tour. Uh, that, that ended up not being the case, but I still made the trip. It was only a four and a half hour drive, so it ended up being not that bad. But in hindsight, I wish I had the weekend off. Uh, as I said, I, I did play Depths, which you know I didn't necessarily have the choice. It was just what was offered to me. But I think that if uh, given the amount of time I had to prepare and what I know about Legacy, it would have actually just been the deck I chose. I think it's probably like one of the best decks in Legacy right now. Uh, you saw a bunch of really, really good players playing it at the SCG, uh, like Edgar, Matt Dilks, uh, all those like big SCG grinders that came down from Toronto were playing it. Uh, it ended up getting second as well, a bunch of copies in the top 16, top 32. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a legacy expert by any means, but Depths is definitely a great deck for the weekend. I, I made a merit lage on turn one in one of my matches, which is just absolutely insane. Um, so my my weekend didn't go great. I went six three and failed to make day two, but that's just a testament to how hard it is to day two some of these SCGs. You know, going playing nine rounds and and going seven two is is no small feat. So big respect to the people who grind them every weekend. Uh, yeah, I forgot. Wasn't it at the end of the episode we were trying to get uh, Andy to go or something? Or am I confused? <laughs> Yeah, well, Andy was supposed to go. I that was that was another part of the reasons why I locked it in, and was not like too upset to be going despite the uh, despite not having a break. I was supposed to be hanging out with Kale and Andy all weekend, but they they bailed on me. So you know, had to hang out with with a smorgasbord of people that were not my best friends. Really unfortunate that I got bailed on. I also <laughs> I, I I was short surgical extractions for the deck. I went from having like eight copies that people were offering to lend me to like the day before the tournament, we're like leaving on the Friday uh, and I get a message in the morning, I'm down to zero and I just need to find two more <laughs> in the next 24 hours. And then by, by Saturday morning, I think I was like back up to seven copies people were offering to lend me. So it was, it was a real roller coaster. But how many copies of best friends did people offer you? I, I'm fresh out. In fact, Andy, Andy said, I've seen how upset you got about not being able to hang out with me. We're canceled. 
maybe maybe the copies of surgical extractions were the best friends we made along the way well the real the real tragedy is i never even cast a surgical extraction so but did you cast a best friend elliot no i didn't cast any best friends i'm sorry (laughs) i really wanted to (laughs) okay (laughs) all right uh moving on to once again another big news last week uh on thursday was the talk of modern horizons uh releasing june 14 modern horizon contains 246 new to modern cards 254 total with a mix of reprints not yet legal and modern and new cards that celebrate both modern and magic's rich history modern horizons will release on magic online june 13th modern horizon boosters on magic online will be priced at 6.99 but why wait that long modern horizon is going to have a pre-release event at local game stores june 8th to 9th so that's in three months and uh, the first two preview cards were Cabal Therapist and Sarah the Benevolent. Couldn't believe uh, Cabal Therapist is an actual card. Um, John, how excited are you for, for the set? I was pretty excited. I couldn't uh, believe my eyes here. So it's like the effect is twofold, right? One, they, are, they said that they're going to bring directly into modern some legacy legal cards. And two, they are designing cards just for modern. Um, Modern's definitely my most favorite, uh, well, my preferred format. And um, there, there's been a lot of talk about how standard, uh, standard breaking standard has been a uh, constraint for designing new cards and all that. And, you know, this idea has been mentioned, like, for a while. And, um, you know, it's finally happening, which is great. And it's also, like, kind of affirming their support for modern, you know. And there are people trying doom and gloom about how they don't care about eternal formats anymore because of arena etc etc so um yeah i feel pretty good and i'm pretty excited about what um cards they're going to bring into modern through legacy and uh, new cards even uh what about the rest of you guys any thoughts about this this set well you know what they say if it ain't fixable break it uh i think uh i think it'll be interesting to see some uh some new cards put into modern. I think modern is not in a good spot. So I think uh, anything to help get it out of this uh, terrible rut would be a good thing. The, what, the thing that's super hard about it, though, is that, like, so what they want to do or what you want to do in theory is, like, make the fair decks better. But this, well, a lot of the time what happens when you do that is that you just incentivize the unfair decks to be more unfair. Because, oh, well, the fair cards are better let's be more unfair so I can dodge how good your cards are. It's like similar to what happened with Jace and Bloodbird Elf. Like now these fair decks have like pretty powerful tools. It's like, well, I got to sidestep that or those cards will bury me. And that's what I'm afraid of when I see like really good fair cards put in that are good against fair decks, like uh, Baleful Strix. I think that card power level wise is totally fine for modern, but it's just another incentive to like not play a fair deck. Because you don't want to just get run over by Baleful Strix decks. And so, like, what I hope is to see cards like the perfect kind of card to me to come in would be Containment Priest. Just like a really flexible thing that just answers only unfair things and incentivizes or uh, decentivizes unfair decks. That's the kind of thing I'd like to see to see if it's possible to to bring modern into anything that could function. I'm I'm not sure it's possible because of how many cards are in the set and how busted uh, very few are. 
similar to Sword of Legacy. But I don't know, I'm interested. I can't wait to see Sylvan Librarian, see what that is, and all other versions of exactly that. It's cool. No, I mean, I guess this does nothing for you, Derek. <laughs> no, I really don't care about this. It's after the Pro Tour. Uh, if if there's something I care about, I think it's raising the prices of treasure chests somehow. Like, they're up 16 or 17 cents in the past couple of days. So I think that that's because of this, but I'm not entirely sure. I think like card hoarder too. Yeah. Rental service. Yeah. I I don't know. I think what, what John said that people are finally starting to believe that they care about eternal formats again is really good for, for programs like magic online and people playing modern in general. Um, So I care about that. As for what's in this set, playing the set, I don't care. it, It could literally be anything. I don't care. The format sucks. It's going to suck. Whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of cards where I look at them that are like good in Legacy, and I think, is this too powerful for Modern? And then I just have no goddamn clue. It also just, like, who cares? Like, if I wanted <laughs> to play cards in Legacy, I would just play Legacy, you know? Like, obviously, it's very expensive, but I can play online. It's like, why would I care that these cards are coming to Modern? It's like, only the people that care about this are the ones that play Modern enough to like think that the format's good or they're enjoying it, which is just like, we we've, I think we've decided that the format's just garbage. So like a bad competitive format. Right. Okay. So that's what I mean when I say the format's garbage, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I just want to, I just, yeah, I just want to get it out there that like modern is very fun and fun to play like for fun. Like the games are. Yeah. Well, so is commander, but like we aren't going to pro tours. To yeah, play modern, is, modern is very similar to commander from my point of view. When it comes to to that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like, I just don't care. This is just another commander supplemental product. You know, you you put commanders in modern, maybe they'll do that. Maybe we can play with commander damage. Maybe that'll make the format fun and interesting. Who knows? My commander is thing in the ice. (laughs) My commander is Phoenix. Clap, clap. There is... I'm reading from uh, Magic Online announcement that there's a standard regional MCQ this Sunday. Are you qualified for that? Or I'm anyone? Playing it. I'm playing it. No, I'm already qualified for the professional tour. How many times are you just going to let him do that? Stop <laughs> asking him, for the love of God. No, I'm playing in the, the MCQ this Sunday. And uh, so I uh, registered, and they said that so many people have registered, they're awarding 10 slots. Wow. Yeah, they did that last time. It capped. Uh, there was like a week left to register and it capped. And people were like, hey, if they have this normal amount, like they, they increase at regular RPTQs. And like, you never told me it was going to cap. I wanted to play in this. So yeah, now they're warning 10 slots. So get them. I can't wait to play a bad deck. I'm pretty sure I'm going to play a bad deck. It's Why? Fine. I'm leaning so hard towards a, like a, a teamer reclamation build of, of mine compared to everything else. It's, it differs from the face faces one pretty significantly at the moment, in my opinion. And I, uh, I think that's what I'm going to play. I've been crushing arena, been doing well on moto. I've got to say, I'm so happy. I have not had to play PTQs for like four months. Thinking about trying to win an event is just so grueling. 
Well, yeah, it's like, how do you beat Mono, Blue, and Esper, the two best decks that are, like, on two enormous ends of the spectrum? You're like, I need every spot removal I can get my goddamn hands on. Also, I need inevitability. <laughs> yeah. Good luck doing that. Oh. Woo! It says, so to my understanding, it says it's limited, it's capped at 212 players. So uh, 10 out of the 212 qualify? Yeah, that's what it says. The, the MCQ is limited or standard? It's standard. He means the, the quantity of players is limited. Oh. Right, 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 right. Okay. So why, why do you think, if you've been crushing with it, Andy, let, let's get into standard talk. I don't know if the rest have played standard. Um, why, why do you think it's a bad day if you've been crushing it? <laughs> because I'm scared. I'm terrified. I have, like, severe anxiety when it comes to, like, choosing decks in formats where I'm not just slam dunking the best deck. That's why I don't mind modern because I just play Is Phoenix. I'm goddamn positive that's the best deck. So like when I show up to that tournament, I don't. I'm not going to regret it the next day. But like these are the kind of tournaments where you, if you don't do well, you just regret it. Like I'm, I'm like Elliot might feel that a bit with Salta. I think Salta is a fine choice, but like you gotta regret it a bit. You're like, man, maybe I just missed it. Like maybe I missed the boat, and that's what I'm afraid I'm doing. But uh. So my plan compared to Faces, Faces' plan was to like play like a reasonable, fair game and just niv-mizzet people. I actually just don't think you can like fair game people with the Reclamation deck. So I'm playing like a lot of the same stuff. I'm still playing Shivan Fires and stuff, but I'm actually just playing Fog anyway because I don't think you can beat the Hagar decks without Fogs. And then I'm playing a few Nexus, not the full four, and just uh, the niv-mizzets are staying in the sideboard at the moment. But I am playing main deck counter spells. So the way I view it is it's more of like think of it as Simic Nexus with expansion explosion as the win condition, which it is the best win condition. And uh with Shiv and Fire to help stave off some early, early stuff. That's kind of where I'm at. And I've been doing well, but I'm still scared of mono blue as I have ever been, and still scared of just uh getting run over by Agrodex. How, how do you think that the meta has shifted since since uh, the mythic mythic championship with with autumn winning with uh, mono blue um, and, and but but other people tooting like the guys that face to face tooting Nexus's horn? Uh, what, what's what's your thoughts on that? It's uh, it's all merfolk, baby. No, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, it's all Esper control. I think Esper control stock has risen more than mono blues has since the pro tour by a lot. I think a lot of people are touting Esper as being good against Mono Blue. And I think uh, it's just a pretty well-rounded deck. And I think it's pretty good. It's pretty good at a lot of the stuff that it does. And I think it's, a, it's also a fine choice. It's just, I don't know what it is. I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't love Teferi anymore. He's no good. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think so. Mono White's also on the uprise as well. Which like means Kaya's on the uprise a lot. Kaya's actually pretty good. For all the flack we gave Kaya, totally serviceable card. Which is like what a three mana planeswalker should be if it's not busted. So thank the Lord. I did hear uh, Andy. I did hear a funny anecdote. If uh, anyone listens to the Pro Point podcast here, where Seagrist and uh, PV was uh, PV was really excited about his Teamer Reclamation deck, and then they tested the Teamer Teamer versus the White Weenie. Uh, matchup and like White Winnie went like nineteen and one or something like that. It was uh, it was something oh, yeah. pretty absurd. Like, that. oh yeah, it's a bad one. 
<laughs> it's not great sometimes. Like, especially if it's like the face version, I think has no shot. Uh, that's why I think you have to play Fog, is because you can't actually win a reasonable game against them. Uh, I think it was Pascal, or I saw on Twitter somewhere that Pascal uh, put, he was four or two fiery cannonades in his main. He tested with the face guys because the white matchup was so atrocious. Like, it's almost unwinnable that you need something in order to, like, steal a game or sort of steal it and then hopefully get them somewhere else, like, in game two or three or whatever, right? But, yeah, I think I think that's a fault of that deck, which it shows that this format's really good still. I haven't been playing as much, but I really like that that sort of thing is happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. so with the Mono White, like, I just don't think you can beat it with Fiery Candidate. That card is so bad. That card's outrageously bad. And, like, sometimes it just doesn't kill anything. And it does that too often, so I don't ever want to play that card. And uh, I've just been having pretty good success just using Fog as, like, sort of two-mana time walk and trying to move on from there and trying to lean less on Nexus of Fate and then having a sideboard plan just full of biogenic ooze. And honestly, I've been doing well against lots of stuff with uh, with the cyber plan. I'm going to keep testing because this tournament matters a lot to me. But we'll uh, we'll see. Like, if my testing goes disastrous, I would probably just default to mono blue or uh, Esper. One of those two decks. Those are the two decks that are my this teamer reclamation thing has gone awry. I'll play those. But uh, currently, it's what I want to play. I really like the deck. I played it like. Week one of the new format, I was jamming it right away and loving it. And then as the format evolved, I moved away, and I kind of I kind of want to be back. I think it might be well-positioned, and maybe I'll try and admit it in the main again, because that card's pretty well-positioned, too. I guess the other guys haven't had time to touch Standard much after... Uh, Elliot, you haven't touched that much since, uh, since the Mythic Championship. Yeah, I... I... Trapped out of the standard classic after playing zero matches of standard in between the two events. Uh, <clears throat> although I did end up playing a different list. Uh, but I did, however, take a look at some of the data that Cat Light gathered for the GAM podcast. Uh, Jerry posted an article with all of her data in it, and it had basically almost everyone's deck from the Pro Tour uh, into a basically just a matchup matrix and had the win rates of every deck, and as well as the win rates of every deck. Uh, in the hands of pilots above 1700 ELO from the MTG ELO project. So I think that was like, it's really interesting. It's like a huge set of data that we usually don't get out of a pro tour. And the, I think the, the headliner, the headliner rather for me is that Salta had like a 48% win rate. And even, even Owen Turnwald said today, like 48% just sucks. At least 49%, you could say to yourself, I almost got there, but 48% sucks. Um, so that was that was definitely a yikes, and I think that the, if I recall correctly, the best performing deck was blue white aggro, which I think had like a fifty five percent win rate at the Pro Tour, which is pretty spectacular. Uh, obviously, it's it's hard to get a exact point of comparison because again, we don't get this huge data set usually, but fifty five percent across that many matches is just probably a very good sign. That's where you want to be. Uh, or at least being able to beat it. So maybe that's something for Andy to consider. But uh, if you haven't checked that out and, you, and you're playing the RPTQ online this weekend, that's definitely something to look at. 
Sweet. Um, and one of the things with this is our first episode in March with the conclusion of February was the end of the MTG Arena Mythic Invitational uh, rank constructed top eight grind. Uh, I recognize some of the names that made top eight. Tiago Saparito ended up being number one. Uh, Bolovo uh, is his screen name. This guy's a MTG O grinder from way back. Uh, and uh, someone I've chatted before on, online. So I know him from so long ago. And, but not surprised. Not surprised knowing how much uh, Moto he plays. That he's number one. And then we had uh, a bunch of names, uh, some, some of them friends, some of them personalities that I recognize. Uh, Found Omega, um, our man Daniel Fournier was in, I think, the top 20, 25 at some point, but he finishes in 92. Uh, we had Stan Sifka was in the mix as well, uh, as I'm scanning this list. Uh, finishes at 41. Zap Case, 59. So uh, a lot of people we know were really, really trying we're uh taking the last two days and grinding it through uh derek were you, were you close to any of them that were on the cusp of making it no i stopped playing at plat too i just didn't care i did not want to be a part of that at all uh like i've been in the moto grind for a while now trophy leader whatever you want to call it it's not like th- those guys grinded for that up to that mythic spot to get like top 50 is hard and then like it's kind of just random at the end so i don't know it's it's sweet that people got there like i know one of the guys um uh keeney zach keeney he stayed at my place before after gp toronto i think he was third or fourth and like he gets to go now which is sweet but like i would not put myself in that position to do that it's just ridiculous yeah, I didn't even uh, try to hit Mythic because, like, the latter anxiety would have gotten to me, I think. So I just I uh, got to the Platinum, and I just, or I mixed. I played a bit, but I just, I could feel it getting to me, like, every time I lost. And that kind of thing is, like, it's it's a horrible thing for your, like, mental health. I couldn't imagine what these people went through to, to do this. Like, uh... Tiago uh, Saparito, I think he posted his stats like for the grind. He played like 700 matches. Yeah. And he went 60%. And just like, imagine the slow grind that that is. That's disgusting. That's Seven, so much magic. I played, I could pull up the spreadsheet last season when I was playing uh, Arena to just like see how far I could go. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. But I played something like 500 matches and I was playing like for the majority of the month. And, like, at some point, you just sort of, like, at least on Moto, you, you like, you can make money or you, like, gain something or whatever. Like, with this, you just don't. You just, you just keep going. And you're like, okay, I got to wait till the end of the month for this to mean something. And it's like, God, this is awful. This is the worst thing in the entire world. I don't, I, I just... Like it's, we should say like it's fair. Like that system's over. It was a one-time thing, and the new system looks great. It looks fantastic to me. I think the new system is less stressful, but still like hard caps it to a thousand people for this new PTQ esque event. And honestly, the EV of that event is spicy. It's like uh, fifty. Uh, so it's like fifty-four players for like I can't remember exactly if it's two fifty or a seven fifty k Mythic Championship, but that's crazy. 
So like these PTQs are valuable and all you have to do is get top a thousand, which is totally doable and much less toxic. Yeah. So I played last season, I played about like 550 matches with a win percentage of 0.62. So like 62%. I think at the end of the season, I stopped playing at 202. This was, fog was also legal and in, in, this was best to one too. So like, it would be a little different, but fog was also still legal. I think the lowest I got was fourth. Uh, yeah. The lowest I got was fourth. But yeah, like it, it, you just, like this spreadsheet is just of hundreds of matches of me just playing for like the entire month. Just like, I would not do it again, probably. Uh, just, just for the people who haven't, haven't played a lot of arena or at all here, um, you guys mentioned like it was like 30 to 40 hours, uh, maybe in a month for, uh, to qualify or to, getting the top thousand is that what you guys are estimating uh i think it was frank karsten of course um came out with something on twitter and basically quantified the average time and effort that it would take for somebody to reach i think it's mythic um and it came to between like 35 and 40 hours um over a month with like an average win rate of or 55, you need like an average win rate to hit that, right? Like every time you win, you move one spot, you lose, you move back one spot, right? You have to win 60% of the time. So I think, I think it was 40 hours. I'm sure we could. Is mythic equal to top, uh, uh, top 1000? Cause that's the new uh, criteria, right? No. So there, there's X number of people playing and then it's top 1000 in mythic. And so if you hit Mythic, you get a number assigned. And if you're outside of, I think it's a 1,000 or a percentage, you get 99%. You get the 99 percentile. So if you're in the top 1,000, uh, it'll be like, it'll change, obviously, but you'll have a number associated with your, uh, your rank. And so people were like tweeting out um, what their rank was at the end of the season. Like, I think if you get top something, you get a, you get an email and tells you your rank number. Yeah. So, for, so Carson says it's about 50 hours from bronze to mythic oh, you found it. with okay. a 56% win rate in platinum 52 in diamond. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, and of course of note, you do, there is, it is a soft reset at the end of each month. So if you're, if you're mythic, you end up being placed, I think, in between gold and platinum, maybe, if, if you're very high up in mythic. Uh, so the grind is not necessarily 50 hours every month with that win rate. You know, maybe you play a lot. It takes you a couple months to get up to mythic, and then you play something like 10 or 20 hours to get back to it every month. Yeah. So it, it, it's definitely a grind. It's not nothing. Um, I wouldn't say it's difficult if you want to put your mind to it and do it but it's not easy by any sense of the word. Who's trying for uh, top a thousand in here? Oh, I a hundred percent am. I probably will. I'm putting a lot of time in this modern format right now. So. Uh, We're going to go finals 50 hours. Your, your EV, dude, your <laughs> EV is probably better to, to do both. Oh, I probably will do both. Both. It's only the fifth, right? We have until the thirty-first. So, I don't know. I've I've definitely done harder things. 
I don't know. One, one of the interesting articles Carson also posted is uh, today, actually, is the top 20 cards I want to see him on Horizons. And at number one, Counterspell. <laughs> John, are you, would you love to see Counterspell? I think Counterspell is a big favorite to be reprinted, I think. And I think it's safe. I think Double Blue is uh, kind of a cost. And uh, yeah, I think Counterspell is going to be a good addition. But it's no fun. <laughs> I think I think I agree with John. Um, from playing Popper, Counterspell is legal, and the card is just not as good as Days half the time. But the format's also like probably like a turn or two faster. I don't know if that's a weird thing to say. Like maybe Days should obviously be better. It's free, but I think Counterspell as a card is not as powerful as people think it is. It's very close to Mana League um, because this format's so fast and it works on a different a- axes than just casting spells. Like you have Dredge, you have Electro Dominance, you have Phoenix. You know what I mean? Uh, so like, who cares if you have Counterspell? I mean, the, car- the cards are going into play or whatever, or whatever, right? Um, so I can see Counterspell. But I also... Oh. I was going to say there have been a lot of these articles going around of cards that people think will be printed into into modern via this set and quickly glancing over Frank Carson's I think it's definitely one of the more reasonable ones. I think he has a couple couple out there ones like Doomsday. I don't know why you would want that in modern. <laughs> I don't know what that what that ever is actually going to add to the format. But you know, I've seen other people saying like wasteland and days which are just i think absolutely out there or should never be printed in modern um i think i think if you say that you should just lose your magic playing privileges for like a <laughs> month like you should be banned by the dci for a month <laughs> that if you say something so ridiculous you just aren't allowed to play magic <laughs> like because because some people say it as a joke and think it's funny but it's just so out there that it's not even funny you know jokes have to be like relatively reasonably believable like counterspell haha maybe wasteland no you're banned for a month (laughs) yeah personally i think what we're going to end up seeing is more uh legacy legal cards and not necessarily legacy playable cards being printed into modern although i have seen some people who are you know probably smarter than me and and have done a lot more thinking about this than me saying that uh Force of Will is, is a not necessarily a likely inclusion, but would be a, a decent inclusion to the modern format. Um, and you know, just gl- glazing the surface of it, I, I'm not I'm not too far off with that assessment. I think that um, specifically in modern, you wouldn't see something like an unfair deck playing Force of Will, and uh, it's it's not good in the fair versus fair matchups but it, it just helps even the playing field for some of the fair decks against the unfair decks. So it might actually be uh, leveling at the power, f- the power balance in modern. Uh, so that could be something that's really interesting. That's probably the most powerful card that that could possibly be printed in a modern and be reasonable in my opinion. I, I think I, the concept makes sense there. Sorry. I think the concept makes sense there, Elliot, but the thing is um, they've said that they, they're not looking to revolutionize modern and Bring in porting in cards like Days, which I think would be broken in a lot of decks, and Force of Will fundamentally changes the way modern works. And also, 
it brings the legacy and modern too close. And I don't think anyone, either the modern side or the legacy side, wants to see that. So, of course, the will, though, the idea is interesting. I don't think I'll ever reprint it into modern. It's weird. So Force of Will checks some of the boxes that, that I was discussing earlier of cards you want to get in. It's like not that good. It's a fair card or a card for fair decks that's not just super punishing to other fair decks. It's actually just not that great against other fair decks. But it's like super good against the unfair decks or like good against the unfair decks. But uh, I do agree that it kind of blurs the lines of modern and legacy. And do you want modern to get worse? Because that's what legacy is. Well, I don't necessarily agree that it's going to blur the lines or homogenize modern decks like it does in Legacy, because the important point about Legacy is you have cards like Ponder, Brainstorm, uh, and just these powerful blue cantrips and blue spells in general that are dragging you towards playing blue in the first place. So if you look at modern right now, think of, think of the fair decks that play blue. There's blue-white control, and that's pretty much it in terms of decks that have like the reasonable percentage of blue spells. Obviously, Force of Will will, you know, kind of skew that. You might see Grixis Death Shadow trying to play it with, like, Opt and Serum Visions instead of just one of the two. But uh, it's not like you'll see Legacy where every every deck becomes a blue deck with starting with the base of 4 Force, 4 Ponder, 4, four Brainstorm, because we just don't have the quality of blue cards to support it like exists in Legacy. Um, and And... Well, obviously, the cantrips that we have are, are scaled to the power level of modern. Serum Visions and Ops are much worse in the context of modern than Brainstorm and Ponder are in Legacy. And that's not just because of Force of Will. Uh, so I think that, you know, if, if, if you print Force of Will into modern, it's slotting into two or three decks. You know, maybe, maybe Jun becomes Saltai or something like that. But you know, you do have to hit the critical mass of blue spells in order for it to be playable because five mana counter spells just not. I, I think that the idea, what Andy said about that modern unfair decks will just try to go faster. I think that'll just happen more. And you can move away from cards like Pactive Negation and just be more degenerate in, in decks like Crucial Brand or. Uh, Storm, if Force is printed. You're never casting this card for five mana. Who cares? If, if, you, if you are playing a deck that just folds to, to rest in peace, like Dredge, or, or some other graveyard deck, and you just have Force of Will in your deck, who cares if you start on five? I've lost to Dredge players who mold a four, and I just lose on turn four because they just, I'm just dead. If Dredge gets something like Force of Will, they just pitch like a prized amalgam or something or like I, I don't know what other brews you could build with forces in the format but i just think the idea of free spells is like not good it's certainly dangerous which is why it's not like a slam dunk could like would be fine to have in modern like it is frightening so the thing is the unfair decks that really want to be interacting with a specific hate card can just play Pact Indigation. Obviously, Dredge can't for the case of, you know, your opponent trying to resolve a rest in peace. You don't want to Pact Indigation it. They, they can't but, play it before they have five mana. But Dredge also... What do you mean? Like, you, you can't... As Amulet Titan, you can't Pact of Negation if you, if you don't have the... Like, you can't Pact the Blood Moon on turn three if you don't always have five mana. Yeah, for, but you do understand that Force of Will requires you to have a blue card in your hand. And if, if you're talking about playing in Dredge... 
you have access to Narcomoeba, Prized Amalgam, and Force of Will. So I'm not we're, sure where your other blue cards are. Obviously, the deck list will change. We're getting an entire what, new set. What, what, what blue cards are, are going to be playable in Dredge in the new set? I was just using like Dredge as an example. I'm, I'm saying that there are degenerate combo decks that work on an axis that m- die to one or two hate cards, like Blood Moon, uh, Rest in Peace, Stony Silence, etc., and if you just say I'll mull the five every game, if my opponent never has those cards in their hand, then the format just gets absolutely ridiculous, and it's hard to play a fair deck, um, right? But again, the exact same thing can be said about legacy decks, legacy combo decks, and they just don't play Force of Will because you can't. You actually just can't afford to mulligan to five because only, other pieces of interaction exist. The only real combo decks that play like that are competitive in. in in Legacy that don't play Force Will are Black Red Reanimator and uh, Turbo Depths. Or like Storm. Storm sometimes plays it, but you don't always need it. Like Black Red Reanimator doesn't play it because of Unmask, because they have a card that looks at your hand first before they can go off. Modern doesn't have that ability, but you can create some sort of inevitability where you set up a game plan where you can have a Force of Will for the rest in peace, which is the only card you can't really beat, right? Which is like one of Dredge's fails in the format. Is like Dredge works really well if they don't see rest in peace. So if they can just find a way to not see that card, same thing with like KCI used to be, right? If you just dodge Stony Silence, you're probably really far ahead. Derek, have you ever cast a forcible in your life? Yes. Why, why are you asking me this question? This like, is like a pretty bad clearly, policy, right? You clearly just don't understand how the deck slots into co- how the card slots into combo decks. The only like on the flip side of what you're saying, the only combo deck in all of Legacy that's like a reasonably a reasonably good deck that plays Forceable is Sneak and Show. And like right. yes, it's a combo deck, but it doesn't necessarily always play out like the other combo decks in Legacy do. You know, and it, it again, it only plays it because the other cards it wants to play are just blue anyway. Right. So, Ad, Ad, Ad Nauseam Tendrils, Ad, Ad Nauseam Tendrils is a deck that plays 12 blue cards independent of Force of Will. You could have 16, and you, you could make a case for playing other blue cards as well in that deck. They even play, you know, another like six or something plus blue cards in the sideboard, and it doesn't play Force of Will. And Ad Nauseam Tendrils folds to interaction. They're, there are hate cards in the format. Would you say that a card like Unmask is also a two-for-one against yourself? Well, it's different and it's completely different in Reanimator because you draw 14 cards. Your win condition in Black-Red Reanimator is reanimating a blue This, is, this is what I'm saying about Modern. In, in the decks that abuse free counterspells or could have used free counterspells, the game is over. They don't care about the card disadvantage which is why decks like Amulet and Odd Nauseam play Pact. They you have don't it care. completely twisted. The reason Black Red Reanimator plays Unmask is not so they can unmask necessarily before they combo. Obviously, that's very powerful, but you, you don't go into the deck building saying, I'm playing Unmask to cast it on turn one and kill my opponent on turn one. You, you play Unmask partially because you reanimate a Grizzlebrand, you draw 14 cards, and you cast Lotus Petals, Dark Rituals, and Unmasks with other discard spells to rip apart works. your opponent's hand. It's, right. it's just not the same in Modern, because if you've gotten to the point where you have Force of Will able to cast because you've comboed, you could just play Pact of Negation. The, the, I, the I don't agree with that. 
the reanimator deck in in modern plays uh, plays uh, Gorio's Vengeance because it needs to kill the turn of combos. You can't just cast reanimate, put a Grizzlebrand into play, but, rip apart your opponent's hand, and pass the turn. You have to kill them the turn you reanimate your Grizzlebrand. This is why this is why Force Will is more important. And and that, that, can, exactly because because you can preemptively beat these cards that I've been talking about the entire time, and it still beats the cards that interact with you the turn you're going off. So it's like Pact of Negation, where it works on the turn when you're trying to kill your opponent, where you have to win, and it works earlier in the game and at different parts of the game. It's, it's, you can build your deck differently, so Force Will as a function is, doesn't affect you like discarding two cards because you don't just lose the game on the spot. Like Obviously, talking about deck lists right now, from this point of view, won't always give us the best results, but you have to assume that somebody will be able to abuse this. You have to assume that somebody can build a combo deck around this card when we already have cards in the format that are worse than Force of Will and combo decks are abusing them in Pact of Negation. I, I, I think you're just like so far off base that it's like almost not worth pursuing this. Like you, you do realize that fundamentally combo decks are weak to Force of Will because they, to a certain extent, require critical mass. Even in your Grizzlebrand deck that's somehow Force of Willing a rest in peace and not getting Force of Will this back is, or This whatever. is why I brought up Unmask, though. Because, because combo decks in Legacy function sometimes in card quantity in that they need a lot of cards to win, or they function in two-card combo trying to protect it. And Unmask is a perfect example of this, where you discard a card to see if your opponent can beat you. You're... you're per- you're creating card disadvantage to see if you can win the game on the spot. That's what Force of Will is similar to. Or like Lands. Like, Lands doesn't need Force of Will, but it also doesn't really need a, a whole mass of cards at a certain point. It just needs to be able to beat specific parts or cards in the game so it can continue to develop their game plan. Which is like, I understand that you're discarding a card, but if you can create an engine which is what your deck focuses on, and you can just beat like a rest in peace or a stony silence, then you can still win the game compared to like if you just have a rest in peace in play and you can't beat that card. But you're yeah. just vastly misunderestimating how many blue cards you need to have in your deck to be able to cast force of will. It needs to be 20. Cost. So the format just shifts to become a yeah, blue he's, format. He's just saying like the decks have to be built differently, obviously. But how but do like, you reach 20 blue cards in your reanimator deck well, in modern? Stop yelling. Maybe I'll tell you, buddy. I'm, I'm not, it doesn't have to be reanimator, <laughs> man. It just has to be a degenerate combo deck with force of will plus yeah. blue cards. Exactly. We'll, we'll finish uh, Eddie, you'll finish with uh, a final statement and uh, we'll move on. <laughs> Like, uh, so as it sits with, like, without any deck building considerations and jamming four Force of Wills into Dredge, for example, it has 12 blue cards. There's been, like, decks in Legacy that play, like, 18 or 15 or something. You just have to, like, play some worse cards to enable Force of Will, if that's what you want. I don't even know if that's what you want. But it's, like, potentially abusable for a deck like Dredge that's just trying to counter a hate spell. And, like, most of Dredge, Dredge's cards don't matter. Most of their cards in their hand don't matter. Most of the cards they play don't matter. So, like, that's the kind of deck where it's not a critical mass deck that the Derek is talking about that Forcible could potentially be abused in in unfair decks. Modern Ad Nauseam probably would warp its uh, deck a bit, you know, um, Mystical Teaching, Peer Through, peer through Depth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
I don't think that's necessary because the like that deck's a deck that kills the turn it goes off, so they can just play Pact, which is what they do. I mean, they would get the option, right? That's true. It is free. It's, it's they do like, have Angel's too, but I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, uh, I think that it, it slots into a deck like Death Shadow really well, which is like a place where it, w- it would fit naturally. But I do think that it is abusable. I do think that having free spells in general is abusable. And obviously it has deck building constraints. But if you have deck building constraints like that, it often doesn't get pushed out of the format. It warps the format. It makes the format adjust with it so that the format becomes a blue format like we see in Legacy. Now, of course, Legacy also has Brainstorm, which is like a different argument. Like often people say that Brainstorm is more of a problem than Force of Will. But uh, I think that it, it would not be good for Modern. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're just going to end this here. Uh, what I'm curious about personally is um, what the price point's going to be uh, because there's no MSRP. I think it's the, the first one. And uh, they're going to have to... One of the reasons I think they might have Force of Will is like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to sell this set if it's going to be selling for a couple hundred dollars, which it, it might very well sell for. So are they going to print new cards that are really powerful that people are actually going to want or just reprint some of these older cards that um, people are going to want to buy? That part I'm still really curious about, and, and we won't find out until more of the set is released. And uh, anyways, let's wrap up the show. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast uh, on your favorite podcast app. Hopefully next episode, we got good news from Andy taking down uh, the Mythic Championship qualifier over the weekend. Um, yeah, support the show. We're going to patreon.com slash first strike. Uh, what about the rest of you guys? Anything uh, that you guys might be playing this Upcoming weekend, starting with Derek. Uh, I think there is a sealed Mox uh, prelim online that I'm going to be playing in. So I can try to qualify for the quarterly finals. I don't, I don't remember how, how it works exactly. I'm just going to play it. And I think that's all I have going on. I think you're just supposed to win one of the Opens. Winning the Opens is incredibly difficult. That's probably the hardest way to do it. What about Elliot? I have nothing going on for a while. I'm I'm happily taking a bit of a break from traveling for magic as I've done for the past <laughs> like month and a half. <laughs> Sounds good, John. Oh, I took the plunge and bought a. Uh, I was inspired by Cyrus, my teammate at Vegas, so I bought uh, my storm cards from FaceToFace.com. Um, and uh, I'm going to be fumbling around with uh, ad nauseum tendrils this weekend for the first time, so that'll be fun. So bought them, okay. Um, like a local, just a local tournament? Yeah, a local 1K. Okay, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah, it's face-to-facegames.com. Um, to everyone in chat, yeah. thank, thank you so much, and we will see you uh, next week. And uh, yeah, see you guys next week. Talk to you guys later. Bye.